Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I.co. One of the questions that Noel and I get all the time is, should I become a life coach? And today, Noel and I are going to tackle this question. Noel, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well also. And I am excited about this conversation because this is a side of coaching that we don't usually talk about, the the personal side, what you bring to the table emotionally as a coach. Before we begin, um, I was reminded, I was doing an Instagram Live this morning, and um, I always start with good morning. And good morning can sound kind of stale, like happy, like, you know, bless you. How are you? I'm fine. And so someone said grand rising. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I want to start by saying grand rising to you. Instead I love of good that. <laughs> yeah, it's so descriptive. I love that. That's I and I love I love the um like semi ridiculousness of that. Yeah, it feels like a phoenix coming out of its ashes, grand rising. It's very dramatic. I mean, I'm I'm just imagining what I'm going to do with that in my little household. You know, when I put on my um pink polka dot bathrobe and a fairy crown, right. and I'm just like <laughs> I'm grand rising. Grand <laughs> rising. I love it. All right. So speaking of rising, I think uh, becoming a life coach can be a part of one's rising, right? I mean, it was for us. It, yeah, it, it's it's um it's a catalyst in so many ways for deeper understanding of yourself and the world around you. But the thing that I think does it is that coaching inherently is the profession of hope, of growth, of movement. And so if you engage in this work, uh, either for yourself, for others, or to do it professionally, you have no choice but to experience that for yourself. The word hope is interesting because I I think as a coach, it, it, injecting hope is one of the most powerful things that we do, whether it's, you know, I mean, how we do it, there's a million different ways, but I think that in itself um, is life-changing, can be life-changing for, for people. It can be life-changing. And we talk a lot about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And I can no longer imagine what it's like to have a fixed mindset. Yeah, I used to have one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And to, like the, the world is static. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't change. You're stuck. And not only do I know that to be fundamentally untrue, but my life's work has become helping other people discover their agency. And so having seen it, you know, in thousands of sessions, like, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of the things that happens when someone asks herself, should I become a life coach? That fixed mindset um, can can have a tug. Like that's actually what stops them from a growth mindset and thinking that, no, actually I, I could help help people and I could do it my own way. And there's a fire there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you're thinking about this, if you're wondering, do I have what it takes? I say start with your values. Start with your values. Look, what do you value about the world? And if you don't know, that's probably a pretty strong point for exploration. 
at Journey, um, and this is John's language um, that you use and you've used for forever, we believe that there's no such thing as a broken human. How did you come up with that? Well, I felt broken uh, for for many for half of my life, you know, and I um, felt that because I was broken, I was just de- defective, um, wasn't good enough, um, you know, that whole idea of the almost guy. Uh, and then when I went through my birth, uh, or rebirth, and going helping other people, um, I realized other people had the same stories, and they also felt broken. And then I realized that we're actually not broken. And that uh, life is, um, a lot of life is all about picking up the pieces. And as we do that, we grow and and evolve and expand. You know, if we never break, um, we never grow. So I do think we break. I don't think that we are broken. Yes. We're not fated. That there's no such thing as a human that can never change, never evolve, never get help. Um, Everyone has that capacity. It's all about choice. An agency. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because when you when you think of like a muscle, and we all know that for a muscle to get stronger, it has to be broken down, right? And that's the actual uh, working out or lifting weights or whatever you do. Um, but when it comes to our stories, uh, it's hard to see it that way. But if you do, then you realize that you know us being broken down only um, sets us up, sets us up for the, the the grand rising. It sets us up for the. Uh, um, the evolution and getting stronger and leading more into to the growth mindset. I, I want to add this that um, it's there's a measured approach here that when we're talking about growth, you know, breaking yourself down metaphorically, emotionally to to create space for scar tissue so that you can grow and build muscle. Um, rest is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something that's come out of the pandemic for me is realizing that just with life building, um, as with muscle building, once you go really hard and you lift all those weights, you need to rest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and rest looks different for everyone, you know, um, but I do think it's required. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have our values. We have capacity. We have rest. Um, We also believe that everyone is capable of transformation. And here's the caveat, entitled to it. Yeah. I love that, that everyone is entitled to Mm -hmm. transformation. Yeah. Because many think that transformation is extra or it's something that, you know, uh, some people can achieve, but you can't. Um, we, we all have, we are all entitled to it. not only that, but I think it's bigger than us. I think that if we don't take a responsibility to go through our transformation, we're doing a disservice to the world. Absolutely. Because then we're stuck, we're angry, we're shut down, we're shut off. We're not being good little adult autonomous humans We're we're, we're causing, um, havoc if we don't take care of ourselves. So those are our values, which I love. And that's how John and I entered the space of coaching. And now let's cast the the broader lens. Um, The International Coaching Federation, they define coaching as a thought-provoking and creative partnership that helps clients maximize their personal and professional potential, unlocking previously untapped sources of imagination, productivity, and leadership. I love that last line. Unlocking. I mean, unlocking means that there is potential there. You just have to um, unearth it, unbury it, 
find it. Absolutely. And and what I loved about the juxtaposition of these two is I, I pulled up our values first and then I pulled up the International Coaching Federation and I was like, you know, I love this field. Like, like top to bottom, whether you're, um, you know, a boutique shop like ours that, you know, really focuses on progressive thought or the International Coaching Federation, this is pretty badass. You know what else? I just, and I just had this revelation as you were saying this. Um, I grew up in a, uh, a restaurant business world. I grew up um, with my parents selling burgers and fries and you know, all of that stuff. Um, what I love about coaching is it's a human business. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, um, it's not about uh, selling a product. It's about selling um, a service, and that service is, is a human exchange. And so um, I, I love that. It's endless. It, it is endless. Transformation is is limitless. I said that to somebody on a call. They were thinking about our program. And, and you know, you talk, I didn't even realize that I said it. And the woman took the time to email me afterwards and just said, I wanted you to know that this hit me like a truck, that transformation is limitless. And I was like, well, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> like it, that's true. And it's, um, it's such a human profession, which brings us to our first question. So if you're seriously considering coaching, if you're seriously considering working as a coach, the first question that I have for anyone out there is, how do you feel about humans? Yeah, if you if you hate humans, this is going to be challenging for you. <laughs> if you hate humans, it's going to be challenging for you. Or if you, you know, the thought of having a very intense and focused conversation with someone sounds terrible to you. Right, right. It's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, think about your own friendships, John. Like, what what kinds of conversations do you enjoy? I enjoy, um, and I think it's one of the, the 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 most meaningful things in life is to sit down and have a meaningful conversation uh, with coffee and crepes and uh, dig deep into one story. Um, it's it's one of my favorite things in life, you know, th- those moments. I agree. And and for me, um, I'd rather have a really deep quality relationship as opposed to many, many, many surface relationships. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if if I find myself surrounded by surface relationships, I don't do too well. It's not my jam. I tell people that um, at one point in my life, I knew a lot of people had very little friends. And today I don't know a lot of people, uh, but I have a, a few really good friends and I choose uh, the latter. I choose, you know, today's life than when I was in my 20s and 30s running around in Hollywood, uh, running a restaurant bar. Oh, yeah. And and so, guys, you know, as we're talking about this skill set, if what John and I are saying are is the place that you want to be, you want you're not there yet, but you you want to change your relationship with humans, um, just like in, in CrossFit, this is all scalable. You start where you're at. Mm. Right. And you build and opening up to intimacy, opening up to depth, opening up to intimate relationships is a skill that you can learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of coach training. Yes. Let's talk about risk because I think this is where the, the, the road forks. You know, I think this is where people get afraid. I think this is where um, they backpedal or they doubt themselves or they think that this is not a, a right path because it does involve risk. 
It does involve risk. And that can feel really scary because it's like we live in such a litigious society and you have a client that comes to you and they want to change their whole life. They want to quit their job. They want to dye their hair a different color. They want to get a divorce. They want to go to the moon. And as a coach, it's natural to feel like the outcome is on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's natural to feel like, well, if I'm delivering a product then I have to be responsible for that person getting to the moon. Yeah. And and this is one of the great misconceptions about coaching is that you, you're not supposed to have all the answers. You're not fixing someone. No, not at all. What you're doing is providing the space for your client to learn how to get to the moon. Mm-hmm. Guiding. You're teaching someone how to fish. You're not giving them a fish. And also... Um, you're going along the path yourself, you know, whatever you're going through as you coach other people, you're also on a journey. Absolutely. And so the question is, you know, what's your relationship with risk? And the reason that that's a super valid question is if you get very nervous when people are coloring outside the lines, when um, people are doing things that are different, from what they usually do, if you don't like it when the plans change, if you really like rules, it will be hard for you to open up to encouraging another person to take risk. And that's absolutely required in coaching, encouraging another person to take risk. Right. Um, I, I lived most of my life uh, without taking risk. And then um, once I started coaching, once, you know, after the divorce and, re and, and rebirth, um, my life has been nothing but risk. <laughs> Every day I get on my motorcycle, there's a huge risk involved. Guys, I can attest to this. I've been business partners with John for a decade. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Um, so, you know, like here again, this is a skill set that you can learn. You don't have to have a, a fully developed, strong relationship with risk. That's why we use in coaching emotional interval training, where you push yourself out of your comfort zone for brief periods of time in order to get the experience, and then you pull yourself back in. And that two-step, two steps forward, one step back, is what coaching looks like. You wobble along with a client while your client takes two steps forward and one step back. And you're like, you did great. <laughs> How is that step? <laughs> Another point is what is your relationship like with boundaries? Because with coaching, this is also uh, a huge part of coaching. It's a huge part of coaching. And it is also a huge part of any profession in which you render an interpersonal service whether you are a yoga instructor or a lawyer, um, you're rendering a service to another human and the product is something that you personally deliver. And so boundary work comes into play big time. So I'll get, I gotta be honest with you. Um, this is one of my struggles. And, and part of it is because of the invention of social media, you know? Um, and I think some of it is also cultural. I grew up, 
um, in a traditional Korean family where there wasn't uh, boundaries, where, it, you know, everything's just, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was very kind of old school, you know, um, people talking over each other, uh, no space for you. It's like the whole family was just very enmeshed um, and it was just very sticky, dramatic. Um, so for me, it was really hard to to set boundaries and to like, it was a, a muscle that I had to exercise and then social media came. And then that also blurs boundaries more, you know, when you're um, working online, being transparent and all of that. That's really interesting that you say that. And I want to hear a little bit more about the social media piece, because when I view you, I see you creating content on social media. How do you feel that, um, is it is it an emotional experience with your internal boundaries or a feeling that you have to give to folks? I think if you um, are active on social media and it becomes a lifestyle, um, people think they know you um, more than they do. And so there's that. Um, I think so when, when you're doing sessions with people, uh, if you are vulnerable and transparent and have been for a long time and you're documenting um, – the relationship is, is it's interesting because a client um, feels that they know you because they've been following you for a long time. But at the same time, you don't know the client at all. You're just meeting the client. So um, boundaries can get blurred, right? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. And I have to say that when you were describing your family of origin of everybody talking over each other, so many light bulbs went off in my head. And I was like, I understand John now. Like <laughs> Exactly. Right. That's a, I am like that. I mean, I, I, and I'm like that with clients and I have to be aware of that. I interrupt them. I'm, you know, I'm talking, I, I, I kind of default to the, the Korean kid uh, in a family where if you didn't speak loud and speak up, you weren't heard. So that happens all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, or just, you know, thinking about, so guys, I eat really slow and I talk slowly and John and I would go to a restaurant and like, I feel like I just, sat down and put my napkin on my lap and John's done dinner, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. Absolutely. So, you know, like let's get into this and, and because what you're describing is, is very real and true. Um, and when you combine um, humans, their bright, shiny hopes and dreams with with risk, um, it can feel hard to hold those boundaries as a professional. but what the boundaries do for you is they they create the space that holds the coaching conversation. And the piece that's really important is that you as a coach experience non-attachment within the space of the coaching relationship. So what does that look like? What you know, non-attachment is a lack of attachment to where your client wants to go you know, you're open, you're not directing them, a lack of attachment to your own performance, um, you know, a lack of attachment to whether or not your client follows through, a lack of attachment to big emotions. If your client shows up with big emotions to not feel codependent. And this is probably where, um, where I struggle is I've worked for a very, very long time on my own relationship with codependence. So it's natural for me to want to take on the emotions of others yeah, and to right. fix things for people and to help. And in coaching, that's something I had to unlearn mm -hmm. big time. Yeah. It's also why you probably gravitate toward coaching and being like an empath, right? 
Oh, certainly. Absolutely. And, um, and also just kind of, I'm a very logical person and I, I think very strategically and I, I have natural skill with it. So coaching was a very good fit for me because it I love people. I'm a huge love bug. I love love. I love hope. And I'm pretty good with strategy. You know what's great about a thriving community is um, when you're coaching by yourself and, and you're taking uh, a course or, or you're in an intensive and it, it's designed where you, you do the work alone, um, you don't have accountability. You don't have that mirror. You know? And the thing about journey is because our community is so tight, um, as you're going through your coaching journey, um, things like risk, pushing people, boundaries, reminding people, all of this is built in-house. So it's just you, you're, you're trusting um, a community so you don't have to just trust yourself. Yeah. And you're having this stuff modeled for you, uh, which is role modeling is so important in risk taking. Um, John, you did that for me in oh, terms of a hundred percent. And, and it, and you know, it's, it's amazing when you look back the things that happen along the way that you're like, wow, that was incredibly valuable. Like if I hadn't met you, I don't think I would have had access to anyone in my life who was like, let's jump off a cliff, you know? And, and that, um, fundamentally changed my capacity for existence. Yes. And I gotta say, um, if it wasn't for you, I would be jumping off the cliff without a parachute. So like what <laughs> I'm tossing it over <laughs> right. the I'm like John take right. so that what Noelle, <laughs> what Noelle has done for me is she's actually grounded me, you know, um me being a spaz and and sometimes taking too much risk or, or, or making moves without thinking it through. Um Noel has been um uh, such a great reminder and, and grounding me. Um, so yeah, so it works both ways. You know, I, I might, might, um, push Noel a little bit, but she also, um, creates a safe space for me. So as I jump, I jump with something that, uh, is not going to break my legs. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's important. I mean, and, and so in here too, guys, like we're modeling, um, two very strong skill sets that we each hold, um, in the space of coaching. And we've each had to learn and level up in different ways to balance out as a as a full, complete, autonomous adult human that's really good at our jobs. And so again, you know, all of these things are great questions to ask of yourself, like where am I on the spectrum? But you can also learn it. Yeah. And Noah and I are just a micro example. Um at Journey Coaching, we have, uh, um, I mean, nearly a thousand people. Um, so you have a lot of these relationships, uh, in these spaces, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one last skill that is super learnable that I don't know that the kind of public's consciousness thinks of as a skill that you can learn, um, and that's optimism. Yeah. And it's not optimism as in like, oh, we're just going to cross our fingers and be cheerleaders. Um, it's optimism as a changing of lenses and a practice in life. You know, it's a deeper optimism. Yes. And there is such a thing as optimism training. Um, it is real. And, you know, very, um, very simply, when you engage in optimism training, what you're learning, and, and I teach this in the journey coaching intensive, is gaining awareness around when your nervous system is fired up 
And when your nervous system is fired up, you have three choices, run, fight, hide, right? Um, Those are very narrow options. And when we shift from fight or flight into prefrontal cortex, we open up to an expanse of a whole lot of other available options outside of run, fight, hide. And we start looking at strengths. We start looking at resources. We start looking at paths forward, alternative paths. And it changes your entire experience with pain, suffering, and stuckness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, And this optimism, as you learn it, as you practice it, as you learn the science behind it, um, not only does that make you an amazing coach, but how can that not directly change your own life? You know, it, it is life changing. It is hands down life changing. And you know, this is this is where you do your work as a coach is you become a, t- a strength detective in your clients' lives, and they might be telling you, you know, the most horrendous tale of their day, and you hear a strength. They just drop it and, and, and you pick it up and you're like, hey, look at this. We have a strength in the middle of this dumpster fire. Um, and and that's, that's how we do it. If anything that we have said today, whether we're talking about optimism or risk or boundaries um, or just the fact that there's no broken human, if you can relate to any of these things, um, I would listen to that because there's probably something there, um, perhaps a calling that coaching maybe for you. Yes. And this is, um, this is the kind of thing where you start where you're at, you know, come to the table, come to the table humbly and allow others to receive you, help you train you. And then you in turn do that for others. And it's, it's a beautiful cycle. I love that a journey, we don't run after people like we're feeding pigeons, um, but we just kind of hold our hands open. And if you're, if you're listening to this, I hope that's what you're getting is, you know, not us running after people, but basically uh, this is our story. This is what we do. Um, and uh, we we want to help you. We want to be a part of your story as well. And if you're interested, um, come check us out. Come check us out. Yeah. All right, my dear. This was really good. I love you so much. Oh, I love you. Grand rising. Grand rising. <laughs> be well. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.